Hi, and welcome to the New Moms Club podcast, where we talk all things motherhood, don't take ourselves too seriously, and obviously, have a real good time. It's the New Moms Club, but for all moms, where we love to talk about being moms. Hey, New Moms Club, as always, it is so good to be with you. I'm Lonnie, and I am so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) because this episode was supposed to come out last Wednesday. That's what I had promised you guys. Um, Typically, I work ahead of schedule with episodes, and I pre-record them so that I'm never, like, down to the wire on anything, because I just don't like feeling pressured that way. Um, But this last week was my daughter's first week of school, and I knew that this episode I wanted to record like after launching the first one with Rodney because I just wanted to like get feedback from it and then see kind of what we needed to address. Um, But like I said, it was Ava's first week of school and I feel like I don't really need to explain any more than that because you guys know exactly what that means. (laughs) But it was just a lot of adjusting. She did great, which was awesome, but... It ended up being a busier week than I anticipated, so please forgive me for not doing what I said I was going to do, and I'm just kind of, you know, doing this on our regular schedule and pushing up back the other episodes, so you will hear what you were supposed to hear today, next week, and it'll be worth the wait, I promise. So this episode is really, I just wanted to keep talking about the kingdom. And as I was praying about it, I don't think I've ever been like so insecure to record an episode. I feel like I've always known what we're going to do, what we're going to talk about. Um, And I thought I knew the direction that this episode was supposed to go, but I feel like the Lord's asking me to take it another direction. Um, And so (laughs) here we go. But um, I really wanted to talk about Um, just continue the conversation on the kingdom. But really, I feel like the Lord's asking me to share some of my story and why this is going to sound so bad, but really why the gospel did not change my life and how really the gospel of the kingdom is what changed my life. Um, I know that that sounds like super heretical. Is that the word? Y'all, I don't even know. Um, But it sounds like, you know, I should go to hell for saying that. But you know, really that's my reality. And I'll share a little bit more about that later. Um, and then I feel like the Lord is also asking me to kind of speak on, um, just how I've incorporated these things that we've learned, you know, from Rodney and that we're going to keep learning from other people that are going to be on the podcast. I've kind of incorporated that into my life and my parenting. And really right now, because Ava is so small, the only thing I have really is words and the power of words. And so I just want to talk a little bit about power of words too. And so that's kind of going to be where the episode is going. Um, I don't know if you're like me, but like, I like to know where the conversation is going. So I always like to give a little intro so you know, and you know what to expect. Really what I felt like the Lord was saying too, as I was praying into this is he, I feel like he told me when we say yes to the kingdom of God, we say yes to experiencing God and the fullness of life that he has for us. And if we don't say yes to the kingdom, then we're selling God short. And I know that that sounds pretty intense. And I know that there are ways to experience God outside of healing, miracles, all that stuff. But 
I just feel like the Lord asked me a question when I was in college and I'm kind of jumping the gun and he was just kind of like, do you want to see what I'm all about or do you want to stick to what you know? And like I wrestled with that for a while because at the time my family, primarily my mom and dad, they were not like on board with the kingdom stuff, even though they had experienced a lot of things um, that were positive from the kingdom, they'd also experienced a lot of hurt. And so I think it just kind of confused some things in their minds. And so it was something that when I said yes to the kingdom of God, I, I did it by myself. Like I didn't do it with my family support and I didn't do it with like my friends either, which I'll talk about later, but it was something I did completely on my own and it was the best decision I ever made. So Like I said, I feel like to explain really why the kingdom is so important and why it changed my life, God's asking me to share my story. And there are parts of my story that aren't really mine to tell. And you're going to hear from those people eventually. But I wanted to be transparent with you guys because I I just feel like that's what God is asking me to do. So basically, I've been a Christian pretty much my whole life. Um, I grew up as a pastor's kid and my mom was the music minister. So I was at church all the time, constantly. Um, I guess I liked it. I didn't, I didn't really know any different. And so that was just the reality that I lived in. Um, but whenever I was in middle school, my world was pretty shaken up because my parents got divorced and it was a really, really ugly divorce. Um, most divorces take like three days to settle in court. Um, theirs took over a month and it was just, I guess like over 30 days in court. (laughs) So I don't even know if that, that, I mean, that's longer than a month. Um, and so it was just like really traumatic. Um, when it happened, it was pretty much happened in front of like two church congregations, like, because it just involved different people and it just was super duper messy. (laughs) I'm sure my mom will share later. Um, but it was not, um, anything that I ever really thought could happen to like a pastor's family even though I was in one and I knew that like we didn't have like a healthy family dynamic, but I trusted religion and I trusted like my parents position enough to like prevent something like that from ever happening, which was, you know, obviously not good or real, but I was 13. So, I mean, what else was I supposed to do? So my parents got divorced and I pretty much just shouldered everything and, um, which you, I feel like I've kind of talked about before in other episodes, but I just took care of my siblings, did what I was supposed to do, graduated high school and went to college. And when I went to college, you know, my mom kind of turned to me and she was like, this is the first time that you are really in charge of your walk with the Lord. Like, I'm not there to tell you what to do anymore. I'm not there to hold your hand. Like, I'm not really even there to protect you. This is your responsibility now. And this is your journey now. This is your, she was like, essentially, I'm not over you anymore, which I mean, technically she was still my spiritual covering, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, but I, I understood what she was saying. She was basically like, it's time to grow up and and take charge of your relationship with Jesus. And so I did in the best way that I knew how. But when we don't really know any better, um, it things are still hard, you know. And I went through a lot of really hard things in college. Um, when I was in college, I, th- 
I think I thought I loved it, but now on the other side of things, I see just how much I like suffered and it was a lot of just the enemy playing on my insecurities and my need to um, seem like I have everything put together, but I was really, really insecure. I was friends with a really amazing group of friends and they were all like really cool and um, athletic and you know, loved Jesus so much. And I, um, was not cool. You know, I like was a super big nerd in high school, um, was never really, never really felt like I was enough for the people around me. Um, I even like had a choir director teacher that like just super was obsessed with like the popular kids and they always got the solos and they got this and that. And I just remember always feeling like she just always made me feel like I wasn't important because I wasn't cool. And, you know, it's not her fault that I felt that way. Like that probably was not her intention, but, but that was something that fed into like then going to college and, you know, feeling insecure around these friends that to me, like had everything together. They were so beautiful. They were um, tall. They were fit. Like I've never been fit really in my entire life. And even when I have been fit, I haven't looked like I've been fit. And there was just so many things. And then, you know, I felt like God was calling me to lead worship, but I was not a good singer. And so like, there was like so much comparison and competition and jealousy and just like really ugly places in my heart because I just felt like I was trying to be what God asked of me, but I was doing it out of my own strength. And I didn't really understand that at the time. So anyway, it was a lot and it was just so gross. And I know it may not sound like super traumatic to a lot of people because you've gone through like bigger things. Um, I think it just shows the importance of like, when we don't know who we are in Jesus, like how the enemy can really just make everything bad, you know, in our hearts and in our minds. And so competition, insecurity, jealousy, comparison, all of that, like really reigned in my heart. And this need to be the best, need to shine the brightest, need to um, be important, like really drove almost everything that I did. And so I worked really hard, too hard, and eventually had a major crash with some burnout. And then my senior year came and, well, really the end of my junior year, and the church that I had been serving at and attending at, uh, for three years told me that they don't didn't believe in women in ministry and that they believed that I was living in sin for feeling called to ministry. And that was one of the most painful things I've ever experienced because I loved these people. Like, And I think the average person that attends there doesn't necessarily know that, but it was the senior pastor who told me that. And so it was really hard. And eventually the Lord, I just felt him say like, you can leave, like you don't have to stay here anymore. And so I sat down with the college pastor that I loved with all my heart and told him that, you know, I feel like you can't help me. I can't help you (laughs) anymore. It just became like this disagreement sounds like a a harsh word, but we just, we, we couldn't agree on this thing. And I just didn't see how we could move forward after that. And so, you know, he blessed me to go it was a great conversation. It wasn't ugly at all. And so I left and was entering my senior year of college with no plan for a church and didn't know where I was going to attend. But at the same time, church is what I felt like I was supposed to do with my life. So that was a really hard thing. But that's when I joined the church 
that I eventually um, ended up pastoring at. And, um, and that's where I really learned a lot of the kingdom stuff that we're going to be talking about on the podcast. And I learned all of that there because my church is a church that has said yes to the kingdom. And they've said yes to what God has for them. And that's a whole nother story in and of itself. But that was a big risk for them to say yes to to what God was calling them into because that was not what they had been previously. And so anyway, uh, the church that I was at really changed um, my life. And like I said at the beginning of the podcast, um, this is not a church that my friends went to. So after I left my the church that I had been at, my friends didn't follow me to this new church. And my parents, you know, thought things were a little weird. And so I went by myself and became an intern and all of that. And so a lot of what I was experiencing, I was kind of keeping a secret. I just didn't know how to tell my friends, didn't know how to tell my, my parents, all of that. And so I was like having like a secret relationship with Jesus on the side. <laughs> but um, there at this church, I met a man who became my spiritual father. And oh, I could get emotional, but. Um, he taught me what the love of the father is supposed to look like. And he just totally, completely changed my life. Um, he taught me how to worship Jesus and, um, how, like who I am in Jesus, my identity and all of that. And I, so I spent like a year and a half with like under him as an intern and it, was probably the most transformative thing that I could have ever had. And it's so cool how the Lord puts people in your life to really change the direction completely, you know, and I don't even know if it's to change the direction. I I think that, you know, this was always God's plan for me. And so it was just so purposeful, like maybe where the enemy had taken be a different direction than what the Lord had tended, intended. God corrected it just with this one person, which is so cool. I mean, there were others too, but, um, this spiritual father of mine was really the, the primary. And so after that, I married into the family that I married. Um, my spiritual father, actually, he's like pretty much the one that made sure I made it down the aisle. <laughs> he introduced me to my husband and made sure we dated whenever I was like, I think I'm going to break up with John. He was like, absolutely not. Um, but I was just going to break up with him because of my own insecurities. I had nothing to do with him. <laughs> but anyway, so then I married John and you guys are, you know, meeting his parents. You heard from his dad last week. You're going to hear from his mom next week. And so obviously I've learned so much, um, just by being a part of their family and just what God, from what God has deposited in them. So like, obviously they have been a huge part of everything that God did to bring me from point A to point B. Um, and I know I didn't share a ton. Like I said earlier, there's a, a big part of my story that isn't really mine to share. And I'm trying to be honoring of the other people involved. Um, but I was heavily abused for most of my life and the Lord is working on redeeming that. And it's been, it's going to one day be a huge part of my testimony, but it's not fully there yet. So I don't really feel released to share. Um, but in the wrestle of everything in the journey, um, like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, the gospel did not really change my life. And I know that 
that sounds crazy, but it didn't because the only gospel I was familiar with, the only gospel I had been taught was the gospel of reconciliation. If you were listening to last week's podcast with Rodney, he explains the difference between the gospel of reconciliation and then the gospel of the kingdom and what is the kingdom and why is it important? So when I said yes to Jesus at like four years old, my life didn't really change. I was a part of a family that loved the Lord, knew the Lord, served the Lord. I grew up into this. I have, there are multiple generations in my family of pastors and all of that. So I, I knew Jesus. I always knew Jesus. And then I grew up and I continued to know Jesus and learn things about the Lord. And I knew religion, but I still struggled with the things I struggled with. And life was still hard. There were still things that were happening to me that were hurtful and painful. And I didn't really understand why. I had this big why question mark over my life. You know, I, Lord, I'm, I love you. I serve you. I'm doing everything as quote unquote perfectly as I can. Why is that not enough? Why am I still experiencing pain? Why am I not experiencing the hope, the joy, the peace, the love that you have promised me in scripture? I see everywhere in scripture, Lord, that there are people that are in the middle of crazy, horrific things that are being killed and can still praise your name and can find joy in that. Why can't I find joy in what I'm going through? And really the answer is because Jesus was my savior during all of that. He was, but he was not my king. I'm not sure by looking at my life back then that you could really see evidence of Jesus being my king. I think you saw the evidence of me being a semi-good person, of me being someone who loved the Lord or tried to at least, who loved people well or tried to at least. You saw me striving to be everything that I thought I was supposed to be, working really hard, working myself to burn out, but you did not see the lordship of Jesus over my life. You saw the lordship of perfection over my life. You saw me chase after things for affirmation, for acceptance, for adoration, instead of just resting in who God created me to be. Instead of knowing that I don't have to chase love, I don't have to chase importance or significance, I already am because he created me. I don't have to do anything to be those things. I am because he is and he made me in his image. That's it. When we talk about the kingdom, there's the aspect of our identity in Jesus. And um, I'm, I'm so excited about the identity episode that we're going to have. And so I don't necessarily need to expand a ton on it, especially because we talked about it with Rodney too. But when we know who we are in Jesus, someone else's success doesn't take away from our story. So what I mean by that is, you know, say I'm a worship leader, which I am. And there's another really amazing worship leader and I maybe feel threatened or I feel insecure around this person because they're amazing, you know, and maybe the church likes it better when they sing or, um, the people, you know, talk more to that person and maybe ignore me a little bit or, and this is like a hypothetical, um, but you know, so really before I understand who I am in Christ, that would probably pretty shake me pretty good. And would make me think, oh, I'm not supposed to do this. Or maybe my voice and my story is not worth telling because it's not the best. And therefore, that person sucks and I hate them because they have taken away from my life because they're better than me. 
like that's how I would have operated before knowing, you know, who I am in Jesus. But when I have the understanding of who I am in Jesus, I'm able to see that person, see their story, see who I am and see my story and celebrate both and know that their success and their story does not take away from mine. And really, I can celebrate that person. I can be excited for that person. I can learn from that person. I can grow with that person. I can champion that person because I'm confident in who God created me to be. And I know that their talent, their gifting doesn't take away from mine. And that's like the same with motherhood. You know, I think we can see moms on social media and like they may seem like they have everything put together and they may seem like these incredible people and like I'm at home in my PJs with my hair that hasn't been washed in two weeks. That would never happen to me because I wash my hair every day, but you know, hypothetical. Um, Not that I judge you if you don't, but I just really, really hate my hair being dirty. Anyway, so I haven't washed my hair in two weeks and I feel disgusting, have puke all over me, breast milk all over me. But this mom has like, has everything put together. Her kids look perfect. She looks perfect. She has zero baby fat left on her and, you know, makeup every day. And you're just like, wow, I hate her because she makes me feel insecure. And, you know, you maybe don't really hate her, but there's this, this like... Ugh, I don't like how I feel whenever she's around or whenever I see her pictures because it makes me feel less than when like in reality, like that mom deserves to be championed as much as you do. You know, like you don't know what's going on in the background of her life and you don't know what she's struggling with or going through. And, you know, you're comparing your regular everyday life to her top moments, you know, and so the enemy can use that to make you insecure and think that you're not enough when really, who said that? Who said you're not enough, you know? And then you, you just sit with the Lord and you ask him, okay, God, who, who, what do you think I am? Who do you think I am? And, and what's the reality of the situation I'm in? And then he can speak to those places in your heart and boom, comparison's gone, jealousy's gone, competition's gone because you're living your story and you're living your life. And so that's just a small little um, tidbit on the side, but that's really what um, impacted a lot with me. I I really began to understand the Father, understand the Lord when I said yes to everything that he has. And it was a big yes, a hard yes, and a yes that I said by myself, like I said, but um, just understanding who he created me to be. And I was able to shed a lot of insecurity and the comparison thing, which really drove me crazy before, like it just isn't there anymore, which like praise the Lord, you know, and I just want you to know that if you know me in real life, I'm championing you and I believe in you and I want to see you do everything God has for you. Um, and that was not always the case with my life. And so I'm very happy to say that I am super excited for all of you, what God's doing in your life. And, um, you have a fan in me, I promise. (laughs) Anyway, like I said, I felt like, um, the second half of this podcast, really, I I felt like the Lord was asking me to share about power words. So I'm a mom of a 10 and a half month old. I guess she's almost 11 months, which will want to vomit when I think about that. But so much in parenting comes later when they're like, you know, super interactive with you. And for right now, I mean, Ava is interactive and she's funny and she's great, but 
you know, she's not necessarily struggling or wrestling with things that, you know, your five-year-olds or your 10-year-olds or your 15-year-olds are, are struggling with. So the main thing that I feel like has really impacted my life when I've learned about the kingdom is learning about the authority and the power that my words have. And so I felt like I would just wanted to share about what I've learned there because as I've kind of, okay, I'm just going to say I'm pretty extreme with this. I, I, there are some things I may say that you guys may be like, okay, Lonnie, that's taking it a step too far. (laughs) You're probably being overly cautious and that's okay. You know, if you don't agree with me on everything here, please just throw it away. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily think that my way is the best way. But these are my convictions and um, there is, again, just what I've learned. So I, when I when I feel like the Lord has said something, I, I, I tend to take it pretty seriously and I'm all in, which um, is just how I've learned I need I need to be. Um, but I'm not necessarily saying that this has to be the Bible for you and everything that I say check it, you know, like go to scripture. And if you're like, I think she's a little off there. Cool. Like (laughs) I'll take it, you know, um, no one's perfect here. Um, myself included. So we learn, you probably heard this verse a lot, but Proverbs 18 says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. Obviously that means a lot. And I don't know if you've ever really sat in it, but if we're talking about like the power of life, so someone living and then the power of death, not living, death. The power of both of those things is in the tongue. We see in scripture, you know, God or Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead by just saying, wake up. And he said that to the little girl who was dead. And, you know, he said, just wake up and rise and all of that. And, you know, God used, Jesus used his words to do those things. So we see that modeled. We see the cursing of the tree and the tree shriveling up, all of that. There are tons of examples, but I don't necessarily feel like you want a Bible lesson. (laughs) But, you know, with words, all of that, we, it's kind of like hard to talk about that without necessarily talking about like curses, being under curses and understanding what that is. And so, um, you know, in Galatians 13 verse three, I believe it says that Jesus became a curse for us, that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And so basically what that's saying is when Jesus died on the cross, he became a curse on our behalf so that we don't need to ever live under a curse. Um, And you can break every curse that's on your life and every curse that has been sent against you. So a lot of times, you know, people can like not experience healing or breakthrough in an area. And it's because like someone has spoken something over them. And I'll talk a a little bit more about what a curse can be in a second, because I feel like it sounds like this like crazy thing like a witch has to like put a spell on you for it to be a curse and I I feel like that's probably what I would have thought before but it's not the case (laughs) but really as children of God um, he's called us to live in blessing and you know his blessing is the benefit of living in the favor of God you know like that's something that we get to have as kids and cursing living under cursing is living under the assignment of darkness and Jesus redeemed us from that. So we don't have to be trapped anymore under any curse. And so there are different areas that trap people in curses. And so one of them is the power of words, which is what we're talking about today. We know that words have the power to bless or to curse. And then whatever you come into agreement with is what you empower. 
because there's power in agreement. And we know that in, from scripture, um, from lots of different examples, but I don't know if you remember the Tower of Babel. So Tower of Babel, you know, in Genesis 11, scripture says that that they were wanting to build this tower that reached heaven. And they just wanted to prove that basically man is as powerful as God. And so verse one says that the whole earth had the same, same language, same words. And in verse six, we see that the Lord says, behold, they are one people and they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they possess or propose to do will not be impossible for them. We just have to understand real quick that basically because they were in unity, because they were in agreement, God said there is nothing that will be impossible for them. Like that's how much God honors agreement and unity, which is like huge. And so these people, like they didn't have a holy agenda, you know, but God said, if there is an agreement, even if it's not my agenda, it's possible to accomplish it because there's power in agreement. That's like mind blowing to me. When we understand that, I think we can understand like why the enemy works hard to create division in like churches, in our marriage, all that stuff, because there's power in agreement. And if you come together, nothing can stop you. I think Paul even says that he would pray that we would all agree, that we would all say the same thing, have the same mind, and be intent on one purpose or in one purpose. And so like that was a huge thing that Paul wanted for the church in Corinth, like to have unity, to have the same mind, to have one purpose together. There is power in agreement because there's power in words, which is like the big thing. And um, really like words have substance and they have assignments, you know, they have the power to accomplish what they're sent to do. I think a lot of times we can say like, oh, those are only words. Um, and you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. (laughs) And that is like the biggest lie. And I think that we see that in scripture over and over again. Um, no, there, there's power in words. And another example of that is, you know, when we see the story of Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. Esau was the oldest brother, and the blessing typically was given to the oldest brother, you know, which came with all of the inheritance and inheritance and all of that. And Jacob stole it. He tricked his dad, Isaac, into giving it to him instead of his brother. And he got his brother to comply by feeding him food when he was hungry you know, you can read it if you want. So, (laughs) but it's in Genesis 27, but that's the gist. And so anyway, when Esau came back to his dad for his blessing, Isaac said, oh no, I I already gave the blessing. I I can't give you another blessing. I already gave it because, and he said that because when the blessing and those words left his mouth, they had substance and they had assignments and they had the power to fulfill what they were sent to do. So he couldn't undo that if that makes sense. In James 3, we also learn and read that our words have the power to bring a curse or a blessing. So really, with our words, we can either attract angels or we can attract demons. And our words have the power to accomplish and complete what they were sent to do, Um, which I think when we understand that, I think makes us like take our words a little bit more seriously. But we have to understand that the devil has no authority. Like we learned about that with Rodney last week. And the only way for him to exercise authority over you is for you to come into agreement with a lie. And so remember, like we learned that the power agreement is like huge. So if you come into agreement with this lie, you 
technically give him authority because, again, there's power in agreement. So if you come into agreement with the enemy, then he will have the authority to exercise his power in your life. So words are one of the ways that we come into agreement with him. And a lot of times we empower demons when we use our words. And I, I know that that sounds like so scary or weird if that's not familiar to you. But a lot of times the enemy will use like other people and their words to kind of, you know, impact you. And the language of hell will sound like you're good for nothing. You're worthless. No one likes you. You're never going to find your spouse, etc. The words of hell, like they start to speak on your worth, your value, your identity, your destiny, your future, your significance, all of that. Those things like you may think, oh, I hear that in my head all the time. Like you're good for nothing. You're worthless. Like no one likes me, you know, all of that stuff. But then, you know, in conjunction to that, the language of heaven would say you're loved, you're important. You have a great destiny. You are destined for greatness. You're beautiful. You're precious. All of that. And then in conjunction again, hell, the language of hell would say, I hate you. You're no good. You're stupid. You're undesirable. No one would ever want you. You should never have been born. All of that stuff. And so when, when people speak those words over you because of whatever place in their heart that they've let the enemy have authority, you have the decision. You can either come into agreement with those words or you can reject those words. So if we as parents say to our child, you know, you're stupid, the child has a decision, has a decision to make. Like, am I going to accept these words or am I going to reject these words? And, you know, most kids will receive words because they're coming from someone in authority. But those words have an assignment. They have purpose and that kid will be stupid until they wake up and realize, wait, I'm not stupid. But so anyway, a lot of times we accept words that people speak over us, our parents, our teachers, all that stuff. And sometimes it is because someone else has said that, or, you know, sometimes it's our own words. You know, a thought comes into our mind and then we come into agreement and then we speak it out loud, but we don't understand like that thought wasn't ours to begin with. A thought like, I won't ever change. I won't ever win. I can't ever find victory. You know, this was hopeless, all that stuff. Many times like these words are just coming into our minds and we just have to understand like those are not our thoughts. The enemy has put those thoughts in our head and we think they're our thoughts because they sound like our voice and they sound like something we would think. But when we say those words and we speak them over us, we have to understand they have an assignment. And so when we agree with them, we give the enemy the permission to fulfill that assignment. And he attacks our belief systems. He says something over and over and over again until it becomes a core to your identity. And then you speak it out loud and then it becomes reality. First, let's understand God has given us a great destiny. And the enemy, his whole purpose in life is to take away from that destiny and reroute your destiny because he hates you, you know, and I think that that's like something I just didn't like really understand until something really major happened to me, um, at church one day and it was really painful and I was about to get on stage to lead worship and like last place I wanted to be was in front of people. I'd cried the whole day and the Lord just whispered. He was like, Lonnie, the enemy hates you. He hates you. It's him. And that, you know, and it was just this like, oh yeah, like it wasn't that person that did that to me. It wasn't anything else, but it was like the enemy just completely wanted to take me out. And then the Lord whispered, but I love you. 
and I've got you. And it was just this like totally surreal moment for me because it was like just the simplicity of understanding the reality of hell and the depths of hate that the enemy has for me and how he truly is after me. Like he, he wants to take me out, but then also understanding God's love for me and how much he protects me. And so I know that that seems like, like, yeah, Lonnie, I've heard that. I know that, (laughs) but, um, but that was like a simple concept that I, I hadn't really truly grasped, you know, like how hell is real. The enemy really is real and we don't fight against flesh and blood. That's what scripture says. Like we're fighting against the enemy in the spiritual realm and all of that. And so when we understand that the enemy wants to give us an alternative destiny, he also means like an alternative identity to understand your identity and change your identity. You really need to speak truth over yourself. You speak truth over yourself, you know, to do that, you have to create the atmosphere over you by the words that come out of your mouth. If there's a lie that you've been believing, you know, it took a long time to brainwash you into believing that lie. And it'll take a lot of repetition of truth to to change that thinking and to let truth rule your thinking. Sometimes it may not always feel true, you know, because we're still kind of believing the lie, but we can change what we feel by what, what I'm saying. No, sorry. We can't change what we feel. We, you know, sometimes we can't, but we can change what we believe and that will change how we feel. A big part of changing, you know, the lies and undoing all of that is declarations. And you'll hear me talk about declarations a lot. Um, there's something I take really, really, really seriously. And it's part of the parenting stuff that I've taken pretty seriously with all of this power of words stuff. And so basically a declaration is like a collection of scriptures that the Lord has highlighted to you or truths that he's highlighted to you. And they are, again, truths that pertain to you. And, you know, you can have an identity declaration, you can have an identity or a declaration for your health uh, over a, a certain fear that may be, you know, tormenting you, all of that stuff. But particularly identity declarations, I think are just huge. When you say those declarations over yourself, your heart and your mind align to the kingdom of God and its truth. And so what we have to understand is when we speak out blessing, you know, when blessing comes out of our mouths, we cooperate with angels essentially. There's a lot more that we could talk about, but really what we have to understand is what we declare over something is going to come to pass. And that's like the big thing. Like you have to understand the power that comes in your words. And then we have to understand that the enemy is legalistic. He follows rules. So really whatever you speak out, whatever you give permission to do, he's going to do. But then you also have to understand that you have the power to change your situation just by how you talk about it, which is huge. A little story from just as a side note, um, there was a day that I was given some pretty devastating news at work, like a week and a half after John and I got married. (laughs) So this was very new. And I mean, I just cried all day. And because of this news that I got, the enemy just kind of started spewing a lot of hate in my mind and you know speaking lies and of course they sounded like my voice and so I just like I'm an external processor too which I think the enemy loves because if he can get me to say something then boom he can do it um but I you know I just started saying 
these things and I'm bawling and I'm saying these things and like having a panic attack and all this stuff. And John finally looks at me. He says, shut up. And I just kind of stop. And he was like, which if you know my husband, like he's so freaking chill. Like it's crazy that he did this. But he looked at me and he said, shut up. And I just looked at him like shocked. And he was like, the enemy is speaking through you right now. And he's not allowed to talk in my house. So shut up. And I was like, what? (laughs) You know, but essentially like, I was allowing the language of hell to fill our home. And John was like, we're not doing that. And then I understood kind of what was going on. And then John prayed over me and blessed me and all of that. Just to kind of understand, like we take power of words in our house really seriously. When it translated over to becoming a mom, I kind of like began to have this like ferociousness in me about it because you just want to protect your kid from everything. And I know that you feel that as a mom and as you're listening, you're like, okay, so what does this mean for motherhood? And I'll start with a story from, so Ava was a day old. It was the day after she was born, the morning after. And I was struggling with nursing her. I mean, I think struggling like in the normal sense. I don't think that it was like abundantly more than the average. But anyway, the lactation consultant came in and she was trying to help me and she goes oh you've got a stubborn little girl and I look at her and I said we don't talk like that (laughs) I was like we don't say those words about our kids and and she's like oh I'm so sorry I know that stubborn is a word that we use a lot for kids this is again where I where I said earlier that you may be like Lonnie you're a little too intense I don't I don't talk like that about Ava I just don't I don't talk like that about John. I really try to be very careful in the words that I speak. I mean, specifically over Ava because I like God has told me so much about Ava and the destiny in her life. And I, I feel like I can understand, I mean, at least just a little bit of what God is calling her to and the big destiny that he has for her life. And I understand the things that I've gone to gone through because I wasn't necessarily protected in those ways. And I mean, to no one's fault, it just was my story. You know, I, it is my job as Ava's mom to protect her and to defend her. And I don't let people talk about Ava like that. So words like a diva, sassy, you know, things that aren't even necessarily bad, but I'm like, they're not good either, you know? (laughs) And so I don't talk about my kid like that. I don't say that, you know, she has an attitude problem. I don't say that she um, is lazy, you know? I mean, she's too young to be lazy, but if that makes sense, like I'm very, very careful with the words that I speak over Ava and with that, you know, I did write a declaration for Ava, um, while she was still in the womb, you know, and it's based on, um, what her name means. So Ava means like breath of life, life. It means wind. I mean, there are lots of different translations for Ava, but essentially it means breath of life and life. And, um, and then Jane means God is gracious and merciful. So I wrote out a declaration for her, And it's really simple. It's, I am a chosen and beloved child of God, light of the world. 
I have been given all authority from heaven. Angels protect me wherever I go. No evil will harm me. I listen for God's voice and he speaks to me. I can rest in the presence of my good father because he is the breath of life. God is gracious and merciful and I am his. And that's it. You know, because I'm the cheesiest mom in the world, I also wrote a tune to it. So we sing it every day. And she's so young, so she has no idea really what we're singing. But it's something that I want her to have memorized. I want her to know who she is. And that's just a small part of who I believe God's created her to be. But those are truths that I know that, that God has for her. And so when she's in moments of like feeling maybe some feelings that aren't hers, she knows her declaration and she can say it over herself. And that's a truth that can change her belief, which, which will change how she feels. So that is some like a huge thing. And so if you're a mom that maybe declarations are new for you, uh, you've never heard about this before, I actually have like a generic declaration um, and I will post it onto our Instagram. If you are not on Instagram, um, you can... I don't know how to get it to you. <laughs> I need to figure out like an email or something. Hopefully you're on Instagram. If you're not on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, Lonnie Hogue, find me and I can get it to you. But it's a pretty generic declaration, um, but it's amazing. And it's one that, I mean, I, I didn't even write it. I've, I like tweaked some parts of it, but it's one that I know that some kids um, in our community have learned. And so... Anyway, super duper recommend it. And it's something that you can start with your kid. I mean, you can start with yourself if you don't have one, which is like life changing, you know, writing a declaration for yourself and just asking the Lord what he thinks about you and the verses, asking him to highlight verses that, you know, are maybe life verses for you. And so that's like one place where power of words, I, I just, after becoming a mom, I just really understood the the power of being a mom, <laughs> you know, like the weight and the authority of it and the power of a mother's words, the power of our prayers, all of that. A lot of that came with just the authority that I felt entrusted to me with my language over Ava. And so because that's really the primary thing I can do right now, all I can do is pray for her. All I can do is speak truth over her. I do it all the time. And again, maybe excessively so, um, but it is just what brings me comfort. I, I talked about this in the episode with Faith and Callie, but when Ava was born, um, I really wrestled with fear over her life and fear that she would stop breathing, which after I sat with the Lord, sat in it with the Lord, literally her name means breath of life. <laughs> and the enemy was coming against me, convincing me that Ava was going to stop breathing. When I had already before, before she was born, named her, that she was breath, you know, that she has air in her lungs and that it comes from the Lord, which was like a massive revelation to me, you know, but it took me having to sit with Jesus and like being honest about how I was feeling and the fears that I was feeling to see just how um, intentional that attack was. And then I was reading in Psalms and, oh gosh, it's so bad, but I have no idea the reference, but the verse is, um, the Lord's anointing has made me strong and mighty. He has empowered my life for triumph by pouring fresh oil over me. The crazy thing is, is when Ava was born, I remember looking at her the first time and just hearing, she is so strong and mighty. I was like, 
are we allowed to call things that aren't the Lord mighty? <laughs> like that felt wrong to me. But I just kept hearing that like the first week she was born. She is so strong and mighty. So strong and mighty. And I was like, am I allowed to be thinking this? I don't know, but I feel like that's what I'm hearing. Like Ava is strong and mighty. And I remember talking to my mom because I think my mom said something. She's like, Ava is so strong. And I was like, she is. I mean, homegirl could totally lift her head, switch from side to side two days out of the womb. And she was three weeks early. Like it was insane. And not only that, but four months in the womb. So like 16 weeks or however, however it works out, 16 weeks, 20 weeks, you know, because of how it all works. She had kicked one of my ribs out of place, like in the womb. And I carried her the full 37 weeks with that rib out of place. No doctor, no chiropractor could put it back. Anyway, homegirl is strong. (laughs) She's very strong and she's tough and she's mighty. And so that was something I knew about her. And then when I read that scripture, the Lord's anointing has made me strong and mighty. I was like, oh, this is for Ava. Like there was just this like clear understanding. Like the Lord brought me to that scripture for Ava. And it was again, while I was really wrestling with sleeping and being afraid and all of that. So I wrote it down. And anytime I felt afraid for Ava, or felt that fear come on to me, I just said, okay, the Lord's anointing has made Ava strong and mighty. God has empowered her life for triumph by pouring fresh oil over her. And I would just say it over and over and over again until I wasn't afraid anymore. And that changed everything for me. And there were some other things that I felt like the Lord was speaking and saying. And so I I just constantly, like anytime that fear would come, I would just say that scripture. I'd say her declaration over her. And that's just like a practical way that I have combated fear over Ava's life. And, and then also tried to combat the schemes of the enemy. You know, I, I just firmly believe that he's coming after our kids. Like it doesn't matter how old they are. You know, if we give the, uh, the enemy ground to take, he's going to take it. And I'm, I'm telling y'all, like he doesn't get any ground in my house. Like it, it just, he doesn't get it. I, you know, we have her declaration. We have so many scriptures that we believe that God's spoken over her as well. I don't know that this is necessarily the perfect way to do it, but it's the way I, I know how to do it. And so that's what I do. And then also with like all of the curses and all that stuff, um, I pray over Ava every night and I pray against any attack of the enemy, you know, whether it be health wise or anything else. Um, and I break curses off of Ava every night. Sometimes people can say some things on accident and they don't think about it. They don't think of the, the weight it it brings or comes with when they say something over your kid and you may, you know, not think about it in the moment. And so I, every single night, you know, if anything slipped, I pray and break it off of Ava. And so I'm just going to kind of give you an example if you want of like how I pray over Ava every night. Again, this shouldn't be like your Bible, but hopefully if you don't know how to do it, it is helpful to you. And um, can be a tool and then you can kind of make it your own. But, um, anyway, sorry if this is weird, but I'm going to (laughs) pray. And, you know, this is just how I pray over Ava every night. And so we're going to pretend this is over Ava. I've already prayed for her tonight because I'm recording this after she went to sleep, but, 
Um, I'm pray over her and you can receive it for yourself if you want or really whatever you want to do. But I always start off with some Thanksgiving because, you know, gratefulness Thanksgiving is the language of heaven. So uh, I just say, Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for um, the fun that Ava and I had today. Thank you for what she learned today. Thank you for the good food that she got to eat. Thank you for the laughter that we got to have together. God, thank you for blessing us today, for our health, for providing for us. Um, Thank you for just the fact that our family is good and healthy and strong. And God, we thank you that as Ava sleeps tonight, God, that you have positioned angels around her to guard and protect her. God, we thank you that Um, that you're always with her. And so she doesn't have to be afraid. God, we ask that you bless her dreams, fill them with visions of heaven, with pictures of you, Jesus. And we just declare that, um, that that's it, that she won't experience anything else in her dreams, no bad things, no other pictures of anything else, God, no fear, none of that, just only you and only what you want her to see. God, um, we also cancel every assignment of darkness that may be trying to come against Ava in Jesus' name. We declare that it has no authority, no power. And Lord, we release every assignment of heaven over Ava. We release every plan, every destiny that you have for her. God, we cancel and break every curse that has been spoken over Ava today, either on purpose or on accident. We cast that curse to the ground. And God, I bless Ava as her mom to be everything that you have created her to be, to walk every day as you have ordained and designed, to live her days hand in hand with you, to love you all the days of her life and live accordingly to your will. God, I thank you that your anointing has made Ava strong and mighty. I thank you that you have empowered her life for triumph by pouring fresh oil over her. In Jesus' name, amen. So that's an example of what I pray over Ava every night. And John prays the same over her. And, you know, we have our own ways of doing it, but that is what we do every night before bed. I, I I think it may seem excessive, you know, to pray all of those things every night. But it is just so my conviction that I need to bless Ava every night and I need to pray against anything every night. You know, my mom and I were talking about this. Sorry, mom, this is going to kind of throw you under the bus if you're listening. But, you know, when I first started praying over Ava every night, it probably came out of a place of fear because it was me adjusting to like... (laughs) the attacks of the enemy over my own life and trying to conquer them and all of that. Um, But then it started to come out of a place of authority. You know, my mom and I were talking one day and she was like, you know, it's not because of your prayer that God's going to do it. Like he's going to protect Ava. And I understood what she meant, you know, because God is going to do what he's going to do. But I also think that he invites us as parents, specifically as mothers. I just think there's so much power in a mother's prayer. He invites us in Um, to take authority that he's given us over situations, to partner with him and to allow us to see what he's doing and what he's up to. So while we could just rest in the fact that God's got this, I believe that God is inviting us into a new level of authority, a new level of empowerment over our kids' lives. And there are things that we just don't have to put up with. Like we don't have to put up with people saying things about our kid and just be like, 
oh, I don't know. I don't, I'm sorry that you feel this way. They didn't mean it. Like, you don't have to let it hurt you and affect you. Like, we can just sit and look at our kid and say, hey, is that true? Did, did what they say, is that true? And if they don't know, you can sit there and be like, okay, does God say that it's true over your life? And God's going to say no. And then you can say, okay, then if it's not true, sweetheart, we don't listen to that. That's like, that's a lie. And lies are not real. Like, there's just things like that, that I I think like society tells us we kind of have to put up with or like, because someone feels a certain way, then it's our responsibility to take that on. No, like sit with the Lord, ask him the truth, ask him what it is, and then believe the truth. Don't believe the lie. Anyway, I'm obviously so new to this whole motherhood journey, not even a year in, although almost a year in. And I don't have a lot of knowledge yet, but this is something that I feel like the Lord has really given me is just understanding the power of my words as a mom and what I have authority over as Ava's mom in her life. And I'm telling y'all, like, ain't nobody allowed to come after my kid. And I know that you as a mom probably feel very similarly. And so sit with this, process it. I know that it may seem like really intense to be talking about curses and demons and all that stuff, but this is the reality that we live in. It's what Rodney said last week, like the spiritual realm is the real realm. Like it is real. If this is like completely new to you, I have like a bunch of resources if you want them. I'll probably post them to our Instagram. I just need to kind of collect (laughs) my thoughts with it all. Um, But I really... I firmly believe in the authority we have as moms. And so if that's something that you maybe have not, um, like really taken a hold of yet, I just want you to know that like, first of all, there's so much grace. Like if you're listening to this and you're like, oh crap, like I've said this over my kid or dang it. Like I did this. Like I want you to understand, like there's zero shame. There's zero shame in any of this. God is so good (laughs) and you don't have to feel any of those things. If he's like nudging you to maybe repent over some stuff, do it. You know, repenting, all it means is change your mind, you know? And so it doesn't have to be this like big, scary thing. Change your mind from what you thought, repent, ask for forgiveness from the Lord and then move on. Change how you feel if he's asking you to do it, because there is just so much, I think that, um, that he has for us, regardless of like, if you already operate in this or if you don't, but if you're feeling shame in any part of this, or you're feeling anything weird in any of it, I just break that off of you in Jesus name. And I'm telling you, you're a good mom and you have so much to give to your kid. And, um, and I just want to bless you with that because I, I mean, even the fact that you're listening to this, like I think shows that you want to learn, you want to grow. Like, and I, I told you in the very first episode, like, I do not have everything together. Um, I really didn't even want to record this episode because, to be honest, like, I didn't want anybody to think that I feel like I have it all together, that I'm a know-it-all with all of this, any of that. I, I just felt like I was supposed to share what I've been taught. Like, none of this came from my own self. There, It's everything that people have taught me and that I've ran with it and that have really changed my life, specifically the word stuff. And so... Um, I just want to bless you with understanding that that you are loved, that you are good, that you have everything that you need in Jesus, and there is no shame, no condemnation, no guilt, none of that. 
Um, and if the Lord is asking you to pick up some of these things, then pick them up, you know, don't hesitate, don't delay in this. Um, and I'd love to hear how it maybe changes the atmosphere in your home. I think that's all I have, (laughs) but thank you for, um, listening. Sorry that this turned into like an actual episode and not just like a quick debrief, which was essentially what I had planned originally when I told you guys about having the episode earlier. Um, But I just felt like I was supposed to sit in this a little bit longer and talk about this stuff. And I really didn't want to do it, (laughs) but I just felt like it was now and this was the time. And so again, this is what I've learned. And It's changed a lot of how I do things, how I interact with my friends, how um, I interact with people that make me insecure, you know, and just learning to bless people, to love them and to see them how Jesus sees them, you know, and I just constantly asking him for his heart for people, you know, and blessing them in that way. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed this. If you didn't, don't tell me because it'll crush me. But um, I love you guys. Thank you so much for being a part of the club. I am so grateful that we get to do this together. And next week, there will be more people. It won't be just me, I promise. (laughs) But love you. Have a great day. God bless you. See you next week at the New Moms Club.